The dramatic Yosef story come to, comes to its conclusion in this week's Parsha, when the final narrative of the Parsha describes that aside from Yosef's prominence as Viceroy in Mitzrayim, he lives his final years with personal and familial joy as well as a doting Zeta reaping Nachas from three generations of descendants. So now at the conclusion of his story, his roller coaster story of disappointments followed by success, it's worthwhile to internalize the lesson of his story overall. It is truly a roller coaster, a meteoric rise from the depth of despair to the height of power. Yosef is the outcast initially, forlorn by his brothers, abandoned, sold into slavery, then framed as a criminal and thrown into prison by the wife of Potiphar. And then suddenly, seemingly from nowhere, he rises to the top to a position of power and ultimately success and lives the final chapter of his life with Simcha. This sort of meteoric rise is a chizek, is a strength to all of us when we go through those difficult moments, those depth of despair moments, never to lose hope, never to lose bitach. And Yosef has a model story, as every story in the Chumash is a model story, modeling an idea for us. It models the way things work. This is the way Hashem's Hashgacha works. Never lose hope. The pit of suffering does not preclude that we will rise again and rise to a place of very great distinction. And seen this way, there is a certain resonance in Yosef's role and Yosef's function as the initiator of Gaul's Mitzrayim, as the one who brings down the entire Jewish family to Mitzrayim and sets them up. That he is setting up the Jewish community in exile because he is the hero of Gaul's. He teaches us how to live the Gaul's. He teaches us that even when we are suffering Gaul's, as he suffered his personal Gaul's, we can hold on tight, stake hold our stake of Amuna strongly and relentlessly. To develop this further, Yosef's role as the foreshadower, really, of national gallus and really personal trouble and tribulation as we all experience it. I would like to share a very simple observation. Have you ever thought about the fact that Yosef is a slave in Mitzrayim. Yosef is a slave in Egypt. Just as the nation as a whole will be slaves in Mitzrayim, will endure that very predicament. Simple observation, but perhaps we've never given it thought. And not only is he a slave in Mitzrayim, But there are a string of parallelisms that so clearly match up his story to that of the nation at large. 
as Avadim and Mitzrayim, who will be redeemed. To start with one Pasuk in his story, which almost jumps off the page in its echo back to theirs. In this week's Parsha, when Yaakov is blessing Yosef, and he's describing Yosef's experience at the hand of his brothers, including selling him down, he says, Vayimaruhu, they embittered him. His brothers embittered him. That term, Miriris, embitterment, so unmistakably echoes of the core depiction of the nation suffering in Sefer Shmos. Vayimaru Aschayayim. He suffers Vayimaru, they embittered him. The nation will suffer Vayimaru Aschayayim. No question the divine author wants us to match these up. Moving along now, with a reference later in Tanakh, in the story of the nation, which so unmistakably echoes of his. And that is a Pasuk in Zechariah. There's a Pasuk in Zechariah, Parakhtes, describing Golos Mitzrayim, followed by Yitzias Mitzrayim, the Jewish people story. And it says like this, Zechariah, Parakhtes, Pasuk Yiral. Shalachti asirecha mi bar I set your captives free from a waterless pit. The waterless pit is interpreted by Chazal the sages as a reference to the land of Egypt, called a waterless pit, a place of deep, dark forlornness, a waterless pit. I set my captives free from a waterless pit. Now, what a strange description. But, of course, it's not strange at all. A waterless pit has, is so loaded with deja vu value. Back to the story of Yosef, who was thrown by his brothers into a waterless pit at the onset of his descent down to Mitzrayim. And the parallels continues. Just as Yosef meteorically rises to royalty, the Jewish people will leave, not simply as Mitzrayim, not only as free men, but as men of of means, with royalty, rechush gadol, great wealth. And moving on now to a statement in the Gemara, the Gemara tells us in Rosh Hashanah, Almost matter of fact, Rosh Hashanah, Yatsa Yosef Hasurim. It was on the day of Rosh Hashanah that Yosef left prison. Rosh Hashanah, Batla It was on that same day of Rosh Hashanah that the Jewish people's labor seized in Mitzrayim. Several months before the actual exodus on Pesach, their slave labor seized on Rosh Hashanah. Here we have the Gemara matching Yosef's salvation with the Jewish people's salvation. Salvations on Rosh Hashanah, his leaving prison and their cessation of labor, more than simply a dry clinical fact of date correlation. I believe this Gemara is serving as yet another puzzle piece within this larger mosaic, linking Yosef's story back to the people and vice versa. 
And indeed, we can only imagine from this perspective that as the Jewish people are enduring the distress, the pain of the whippings and the beatings in Mitzrayim, they have what to hold on firm to. Yosef, who foreshadowed this for them. He was in this place and rose, we will do the same. And seen this way, we could, we could appreciate all the more so now the scene of their Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, their excess. When the Torah describes that Yosef's bones were taken out with them. Vayikach Moshe's Atmos Yosef Imo. That as per Yosef's last will and testament, he was brought out, his bones was, were exhumed and brought out together with the Jewish people. Well, he is posthumously sharing in their Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That is not just a story. That is not just an episode within the story, but it now is brimming with meaning. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is truly his tale. He modeled for the Jewish people Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. He inspired their Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. He has a share in their Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. He leaves along with them. And this appreciation of the significance of Yosef's bones leaving with them is further brought out by the identity of the exhumer, the one who brought out his bones, Moshe himself, Ayikach Moshe. No coincidence that it is the Redeemer, the Goel from Mitzrayim, who is bringing out Yosef's bones. Because the two missions, the redemption of the people at large and the redemption of Yosef as represented by his remnants, his bones, are one of the same. Yosef in Mitzrayim is the Jewish people in Mitzrayim. And when Yosef and when Moshe, I apologize, held aloft the bones of Yosef, he is really holding aloft and serenading the hero of the redemption which is unfolding, Yosef, who foreshadows the destiny of the Jewish people. And the, this relationship between Moshe, the Redeemer, and Yosef, who inspired redemption, is further brought out by a mission in Sota. The mission in Sota again, speaks matter-of-factly in a deceptively simple way about mitzvos and schar, a word for mitzvos. And it mentions, hey, here you have Yosef, the greatest of his brothers, who buried his father. Well, he was in turn buried by the greatest of the Jewish people, Moshe. And here you have Moshe, the greatest Jew, who buried Yosef. He was in turn buried by the greatest Amol Hashem. That as with every statement in the Mishnah, every statement in Torah, the litany, the listing of steps is not a coincidence. First, Yosef, the greatest Jew, bearing his father, and then Moshe, the greatest Jew of his generation, bearing Yosef. So he too is buried by the greatest one, Hashem himself. The comparison is fully intended. And symptomatic of this greater perspective, Yosef and Moshe are integrally linked. Moshe is the redeemer in actuality. Yosef is the redeemer on a level of inspiration because he foreshadows the mission of the Jewish people and leaves the people, gives the people the hope to hold on to, the inspiration by his example to hold on to and sustain themselves 
through the pain of Gaulus and then be redeemed. And this is what the story of Yosef is supposed to inspire in all of us, not only the Jewish people in Mitzrayim, but all of us when we have our Yosef stories. We're languishing in a very difficult place, in a place of distress. Well, we Jewish people have a long history with, from the depth of despair, being redeemed. This is the story of Yosef from time immemorial. And again, this is not just a, an academic study. This is a deeply personal inspiration which emerges, which we each ought to internalize as we face the vicissitudes of life. This is what the Yosef story is supposed to do to all of us. Now let's take the pattern further. The pattern of Yosef foreshadowing the Gullus Gullus story of the people and Yosef serving as an example. Till now we developed the Bitachon aspect. But there's another aspect to be developed. And that is the way Yosef lived through his suffering. The high standard and code of behavior which he maintained even in difficult situations and how that ought to inform how Claudius' and all of us lives amidst distress, lives amidst unwanted circumstances. We find a very interesting characteristic to Yosef's slavery. And that is again and again, as he goes through miseries and increasing miseries from the frying pan to the flame. It doesn't matter. In each station he finds himself, he is a star. He is successful, despite his situation. The Torah first describes, for example, when he's sold as a slave to Potiphar, that Hashem is with him, he's successful, and before you know it, he's not a simple servant in the house of Potiphar anymore. He's running the show. He's running Potiphar's house. Potiphar appoints him as the head manager of the house. Yosef is not a loser. Yosef is not some wretched being on the bottom at all. Yosef is a star amidst slavery. And then the very same thing happens when he, sold, when he is thrust and flung into prison. Hashem is with him, he's successful, and the jail warden appoints Yosef as manager of the jail. Jail, this further descent, as we call it, this jump from the frying pan, it's the flame. Well, that does not impede Yosef from being a star yet again. And the Torah wants us to note this about Yosef, this repetitive quality of Yosef of shining as a star despite his circumstances. Because it uses remarkably similar language in describing how he is successful in Potiphar's house and then how he's successful no, no less than in prison. Because for starters, it, it, it describes in Potiphar's house a paraklamites pasuk phase by Hashem as Yosef by he Hashem was with him, he's successful. 
and then it continues in Pasuk Vav, Vayazav Askol Ashar Yosef He's made a manager, and his master doesn't even know what's going on. Totally trusts him. Yosef becomes the surrogate master of the house. Well, all of those same terminologies, Hashem is with Yosef, Yosef is successful, and his superior doesn't know what's going on, Yosef is fully empowered, appear likewise in the jail story. As the Torah says in Paraklamatas Pasachaf Gimel, the jail, man, the jail warden doesn't know what's going on. He's fully empowered Yosef. Hashem is with Yosef. Hashem makes him successful. Almost cut and paste from the story of Yosef and the house to the story of prison. What the Torah wants us to appreciate is Yosef's circumstance do not dictate his reality. It doesn't matter how pervasively worse his circumstances are getting. Yosef is a star. Yosef is innately and inherently a free man, a sovereign prince who's matzliach, who is successful, he exudes the divine presence, and he's going to be running the show. He will not accept the role of invalid. He will not accept the role of schlepper or subordinate. It, it, it's impossible. That's anathema to Yosef, whatever his circumstances might be. And we all know this. We all know on a very general, beyond Torah level, the famous studies of Viktor Frankl and the personal story of Viktor Frankl how even in Auschwitz, he could maintain his personal consciousness as the consciousness of a free man. Well, all the more so as Torah Jews with the Vahashemto characteristic of Yosef. The ability to always remain connected to Hashem, to always maintain the consciousness that I am something special. So my circumstances don't dictate my reality. I dictate my reality. It comes from within. I have a prince within myself. I just have to connect to it and exude it. Circumstances don't dictate my reality. As we see here with Yosef, we could be enslaved, we could be imprisoned, we could be beat up, we could be verbally abused and bullied by other people. That's a circumstance. That is not me. My prince from within. Shots. And this final lesson from the story of Yosef, recognizing as we've studied tonight, Yosef as the model of Gauls, both Gauls, Mitzrayim, and beyond, how a Jew lives in exile, as we've come to see it now. Exile being the circumstance, but exile not being the inherent condition of the person. The inherent condition of the person is a redeemed, free, sovereign person. Explains a final aspect of the Yosef story. And that is the fact that he becomes embroiled in the Aishas Potiphar seduction. Aishas Potiphar seeks to lead him astray, to commit sin, immorality. And Yosef courageously affirms his morality and does not, not allow himself to be led astray. 
Now, as with every story in Torah, this is not just something which happens to happen. This is part of the grand design of the Yosef story as a story of how a Jew lives in exile, of how a Jew is enslaved. Why? Because the Gemara tells us that the state of a slave is to be drawn to promiscuity. A slave is drawn to such behavior. You know why a slave is drawn to such behavior? Because a slave sees himself as an animal. A slave feels devoid of his humanity. So he will therefore follow base animalistic desires and instincts. As opposed to the free man who hopefully will aspire to something higher, who hopefully will aspire to channel his innate desires and his physicality to a place of sacred relationship and higher ideals such as that. Well, the slave doesn't have any of that to aspire to. It's, it's rule of the jungle which takes over him. So he's drawn to promiscuity. Well, so how powerful that, that in Yosef's story, Yosef as a slave, and Yosef as the model of the Jewish people as slaves, he faces this very struggle of potentially being led to Hefkeris, potentially being led to promiscuity. If he would commit the sin, it will show that his conditions have defined him. He's a slave, and he acts like a slave. However, in him resisting this sort of thing, he is showing on a spiritual level, on a moral level, I am really not a slave. I'm not behaving like a slave. I'm behaving like a free man with those higher aspirations to which I one channels their body and their desires and the like. Because overall, Yosef is a prince. He never becomes a slave, whatever conditions he finds himself in. Well, this in turn becomes the way a Jew faces slavery-like conditions. Serfdom and schlepperdkeit are anathema to the psyche of a Torah Jew. We are like Yosef. As borne out by the Medrash which says that the Jewish people in Mitzrayim resisted their master's attempts to seduce them to immorality. And the Medrash, it's a Medrash from Parsha Samuel, continues that the Jewish people were inspired by the model of Yosef, who resisted Asia's Potiphar. Well, this Medrash, linking the Jewish people's morality to Yosef's morality, is far more than a particular correlation. Rather, it brings together our entire presentation, the myriad of connections between Yosef's slavery and redemption and the Jewish people's slavery and it is a straight line. It is a precise and a perfect correlation between the two stories intended to be correlated from all of those aspects. And here now, we have deeper appreciation. It is not simply the Jewish people are behaving well in the way Yosef behaved well. But they are affirming their identity. We are not slaves as much as we might find ourselves in slavery conditions. Just like Yosef, this is the way they show we have that inner prince. 
we don't have Avdabath Gerenichalei. May we all always find that inner prince. May we be like Yosef, that we define our conditions. We never allow our conditions to define us.